Hi, my name's Justin Hayat. I'm a lie. I'm an eternal pessimist, a gay Republican, a loyal friend, and an excellent schmooze. I'm a writer, operator, connector, and allegedly a macher. One night, though, I stumbled upon this old Jewish story of the Lamed Vav Sadiqin, the 36 anonymous good people whose work would redeem the world. I wondered, do they exist? Can people find them? Could their goodness rub off on me? Is there magic in this world that I just couldn't see? I couldn't resist finding out, so I set off to Israel with a mission. I was going to find these secret souls and hear their stories. We're calling this journey 36. You can find 36 and other podcasts from Soul Shop wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now. Before we get to the episode, we want you, dear listener, to ask yourself a question. What have you done these past two years? You know, the pandemic hit us all really hard. What have you really done other than perfect that matzo ball soup recipe of yours? Nothing. Now, we all want to add purpose and meaning to our life, and we just, we have the way to really, really make your dreams come true. If you're listening, you're likely interested in Israel with hopes of traveling here soon. Well, lucky for you, we've got the scoop on Masai's Israel journey. With an amazing range of life-changing opportunities in Israel, Masai has many, many programs. They've got gap year programs, academics, internships, volunteering, and careers. The pandemic didn't stop them either, promoting options to study remotely while living in Israel. You don't have to be fluent in Hebrew or break your bank account. They even supply partial funding so you can make a positive impact on the world. You can fuel your passion and you can make your travel dreams a reality. Go to MasaIsrael.org and find out more. This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. In collaboration with Australian Jewish News, check them out at ajn.timesofisrael.com. Also in collaboration with Arutz Sheva, IsraelNationalNews.com. This weekend, two earthquakes hit Israel. Luckily, they weren't too strong, only four on the Richter scale. They were nothing compared to the level 10 earthquake that hit the news. In a series of articles published in the Kalkalis newspaper, Tomer Ganon revealed that the Israeli police used Pegasus, sophisticated offensive cybersecurity software, to hack into the phones of numerous Israeli citizens illegally. Among the victims of this alleged illegal espionage are mayors, ex-PM Netanyahu staffers, and even average Joes. It was also claimed that the police used the software to hack into a political activist's phone where they found he was using Grindr, a gay dating app, which could be used to extort him as he's a married man. His sin? Protesting against the government. The articles sent shockwaves throughout Israel. And while the police chiefs and minister of internal security themselves denied everything, evidence shows otherwise. If true, what 
are the implications of those actions? What are the legal claims of the police? Does the Israeli law permit the use of such software against Israeli citizens? And under what circumstances? To answer all these questions, we have with us today one of Israel's leading experts in the fields of law and the digital sphere, Professor Michael Bernhack. Professor Bernhack is a professor of law at Tel Aviv University. He researches, teaches, and writes about intellectual property, privacy law, information law, and law and technology. We're super, super thrilled to have Professor Bernhack on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Wow, you, you killed me with that one, man. <laughs> you wrote a long one. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it's, uh, it's, only, it's only proper. Yeah. Um, so, thank you. How thank are you? Thank you for coming. Doing I'm good? fine. Cold evening night here in Tel Aviv, and let's see how, uh, how our conversation goes. You don't Enjoying seem too shocked by this news. You seem like you took it all right. I was shocked and not shocked. Okay. Uh, we have seen the Israeli police do things without authorization before. So in that sense, I'm not that surprised, but it was shocking to see that uh, the police has used it according to Kalkalist, according to the newspaper, uh, against, well, political targets rather than just, you know, the typical terrorist uh, uh, objects uh, of police and, you know, serious crime, etc. Uh, and then I was surprised to see how the police initially denied everything and then started, you know, telling other stories. Yeah. And twitching, they were twitching. Zigzagging. And zigzagging. Zigzagging, twitching. And, you know, every day, and, and Kalkalis probably knew exactly what was going on. So they, you know, over the next few days, they have been uh, publishing new items. And it seems that the police is just lying or not. They're leaking like a... Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> they played a smart game, Kalkalis, right? Because they probably expected to get a certain response and then release a new piece of information that yeah. kind of unveiled that they were lying. And the police reaction was very amusing because their initial reaction was, we have no... this. Uh, we never heard of this. It probably never happened. If you, Kalkaris, the newspaper, think otherwise, please give us the... E expose yeah. your, <laughs> your, your sources. Your sources yeah. Give them to us and we promise to take good care of them. Of course. Yeah, we won't <laughs> hack their phones or anything. <laughs> of course. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> and also the minister of... Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, internal security or yeah. something like that. The uh, police minister, essentially. Basically also uh, initially denied and, and, you know, expressed deep confidence in whatever the police has said. And that also has not... Yes. They, they assured well. me, he said, they reassured me that yeah. this never happened. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the attorney general has was dragged into that. We can talk about that uh, later on as well. So what's the problem as far as you're concerned with, with maybe, what the police... Yeah. Maybe give us a breakdown kind of of like the, the main allegations um, and, and the, the yeah. main like problems with those. So... Uh, NSO is an Israeli company which acts globally, and it's quite controversial, as we know. They have developed uh, Pegasus, uh, which is a kind of a spyware. Uh, we do not exactly know everything that it does because it's part of the thing, that it's a bit secret, it's also trade secret, I guess, etc. But to the extent that we do know something about Pegasus, it is 
it reaches your phone somehow, probably by you know an innocent email that you open or click on something that you shouldn't have, shouldn't have clicked on, etc. And then it basically takes over your phone without the the user's phone without him or her knowing what's going on, and the phone or the device becomes transparent to whoever's on the other side. Now, NSO uh, is quite controversial. Uh, they keep saying, we only develop technology and we sell it. It's nothing, we, we do not do anything illegally. And whenever we learn that some government or our client has used it in an illegal way, we immediately stop that. So that is what they say. Uh, they have denied, NSO has denied in the past that they have sold the devices uh, to Israel or, or that they target Israeli citizens or American or American exactly and um, now the Kalkalista story Tomer Ganon's uh, scoop uh, is that the Israeli police has used Pegasus against Israelis uh, and at this point you know it's quite unclear who exactly were the targets of this uh, of this use um, mayors probably so the police uh, has sort of admitted that it has used it against mayors, uh, three mayors who were suspect of some sort of corruption and were never charged, by the way, these three at least, and the family members, or at least some of their family members. Uh, the police denies the use uh, against uh, the activists, uh, the demonstrators, and uh, about everything else, they haven't yet said how many. Uh, they said a few dozens a year, but, you know, that can be few and can be many, uh, they have said that they do not use it against innocent people, which makes <laughs> me which makes me wonder. Kind of, you know, it's uh, as far as I remember, it's the court's uh, exactly. role to say who's innocent <laughs> yeah. and who's not rather than the police. Right. Also, uh, I mean, they they basically... Never mind, I lost my train of thought. That's but, just crazy, yeah. though. That I mean, I ha we have to stop on that. We yeah. only use it against innocent people. It's just insanity. Right. Now, you know, the police is obviously an important body. It's here to protect all of us and our personal security and safety and all of that and prevent crime. And if crime has occurred, to catch the bad guys and all of that. Uh, however, in a democracy, we sort of, uh, you know, we have this strange idea that the government, including the police, do not have you know, absolute power. They have only the authorities that we, as the public, have awarded them. And um, in my opinion, and many of my colleagues uh, in, in, in the legal field, uh, the police does not have currently any authority under Israeli law to use spyware of this kind. They can um, approach a court and ask for an order uh, for metadata, communications data, that means who spoke with whom, uh, including location, which is very important. And this has become standard in, in almost any investigation. And wires, wiretapping. And, and they also have the authority to approach uh, a, a district court, uh, the president of the district court, so it's a high court, and uh, ask for wiretapping uh, order. But even with wiretapping... I want to stop on that for a second because I want to sure. I want to ask you some questions. I mean, all of my knowledge comes from The Wire and Sopranos, so uh, it's not very <laughs> legitimate knowledge. But yeah. what I remember, if if they did their research in that show, is that a lot of the times, like tapping, wiretapping is actually first of all you have to 
they they had to for example in one of the shows i can't even remember prove that a lot of the interactions were happening actually in that room that they tapped yeah so they had there was even more onus of proof to put a tap in that specific spot and also there was this like uh there was this uh, requirement to only listen to a few seconds of the phone call and if there's a if there is an indication that a crime is being spoken about then you can continue meaning it always seems like and again that this is granted that any of this is actually true it always seems like there's a very heavy onus of proof to establish that you can even go further in in opening up the privacy of the person right so you know the wire and the sopranos etc you know that that are uh, th- those um, uh, TV series and, and movies and and all of those you know they are under the fourth amendment of the US Constitution which requires something along the lines that you have said uh, yeah. initially the police the FBI or whatever agency over there they have to go to the court and say we have something and just a general suspicion is not good enough. And it's the same over here for wiretapping. Uh, the police has to, and it has to be a high-ranking police officer uh, approaching the president of the district court, which over here is the second instance rather than the first. Um, and they have to say something. And uh, a fishing expedition is not good enough. Uh, a, judge, a judge should not award uh, a wiretapping order based on, we, we, we don't like that guy, we want to you know, find something. That shouldn't be working. However, uh, these procedures are um, obviously, as we can imagine, uh, secret. Uh, wiretapping is covert, otherwise you know, it's quite useless. Uh, and uh, statistics that were published um, uh, over the f- last few days indicates, and, and this is statistics that we are familiar with from for many years, that judges approve 99.9% of the requests, of the police requests for wiretapping. Like uh, they do with the gag orders and uh, mm-hmm, exactly. many so, other, yeah. And, and it's not transparent, uh, obviously. Uh, and it's quite rare that we actually know what exactly goes on there. Now, an order, uh, such an order can set some conditions and limitations, such as listen only for a few seconds. Or, you know, if a member of the family picks up the phone and he or she speak, you should not be listening and not be recording. You, you know, you can set lots of conditions, but there is no real checks and balances over that unless eventually someone is charged and it's be, it becomes part of the evidence and then the court uh, may see that, uh, what exactly has happened. Assuming the police did... Um file uh, uh, to to the to the judge a request a request yeah. um, under which law uh, that request would have been approved so we have uh, the we have the wiretap we, we have a few laws over here so one of them is the wiretapping act that is the one that I've been mentioned uh, men- mentioning and it's from 1979 so it's quite old uh, not as old as me but it's quite old <laughs> uh, and then we have uh, the communications data act that's a newer one uh, but it it's, it is limited only to communication data, and there's also a general search uh, act that regulates you know searches into houses and places like that. None of these allow using spyware, and uh, we don't have the Fourth Amendment, but we do have the basic law, uh, human dignity and liberty from 1992, which is sort of a constitution over here, and Section Seven says that. 
uh, I'm translating from Hebrew, but you know, every person has the has privacy or should have privacy. You know, that that that's what it says uh, generally speaking. It's, it's you know, it's quite constitutional. It's very broad and and uh, uh, not very specific. Um, but that means that the police have only the power that has been explicitly given to them. And in order to basically violate our right, our fundamental right to privacy, they um, need explicit authorization. And they don't have that for spyware. If they do wish to have it, they should go to the Knesset and, you know, suggest uh, through the ministry and government, etc., suggest new legislation. Or... With our system of the judiciary system, if this gets to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court can decide that indeed the current law can be considered as uh, as a digital. Th- that would the, the Israeli Supreme Court does undertake relatively broad interpretation of laws. That's true, but I doubt it. I I, I cannot imagine based on their precedents on this on our justices' precedents. I cannot imagine them finding authorization for such a a thorough violation of a fundamental basic right such as privacy although although exactly (laughs) um, if we're talking about the uh, uh, this basic law of uh, uh, the man's human dignity human dignity and 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 freedom uh, it's a swiss cheese by now because uh, 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 point six in the law says a citizen can leave. Uh, I mean, um, the the sixth segment of the law says, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a citizen can leave Israel, and we've seen that citizens yeah. couldn't leave Israel, for example. Yeah. Uh, so it wouldn't be the first article of the law to be mm-hmm. dismantled. So under Israeli law, uh, we as citizens and residents, for those of us who are not citizens. We do enjoy uh, some human rights, such as equality and freedom of speech and freedom of demonstration and the right to movement and leave the country and enter the country, etc., and privacy, and a few other rights, of course, due process. Uh, None of these rights is considered to be absolute, unlike the First Amendment in the United States or unlike human dignity in Germany. Uh, And the court uh, has always, even before this basic law was enacted, the court has always engaged in balancing uh, and has developed a very sophisticated system of balancing how to balance what against what, etc. The basic law has in Article 8 uh, a general balancing formulation. And uh, for those who are familiar maybe with uh, the European system, it's quite similar to the European system, both in the European Union and in the, uh, under the European Convention of Human Rights of the Council of Europe, which is two different bodies. Um, and uh, if the violation, the human rights violation, is done by a law, meaning that there's a specific authorization, and that law is for a legitimate aim, uh, you know, a good cause, such as prevention of crime, etc. Uh, and it fits the values of the state of Israel as a Jewish and democratic country, whatever that means. So sometimes there are huge debates about that, especially in, you know, in religious issues or national uh, uh, debates, but not, not, not regarding police. And uh, the violation should not exceed what is needed. 
basically a proportionality test. So there's a lots of lot, lot of balancing going on, but I believe that the use of the spyware should fail on the first item. There is no law authorizing the use of such spyware. Uh, and if the Supreme Court finds otherwise, well, you know, they who they, are who are we exactly? They they make Puny. the supreme law of the land. Could could the problem stem from the fact that we don't have anything even near absolutes in Israeli law? Meaning the fact that we have this complex balancing system, which creates this almost like complex bureaucratic uh, uh, logic yeah. formula for how whether or not you're allowed to do something, you know. You know, it's it's uh, we find that in most, if not all, democracies. Uh, you know, even you know, I said earlier that the First Amendment in the United States is an absolute. It's not, uh, because when the Americans uh, when they meet something that they don't want to protect, so they would say, well, instead of balancing, which we don't do, they they say we don't do balancing. They say, you know what, this is not speech. So filthy words. There's a list of seven seven words which are considered filthy words. Or obscenity, that's not considered speech in the U.S. Uh, if something is indecent, it is. So pornography is okay, but obscene is not. And, and then they have the debates, you know, what is obscene and what is indecent. So we have, you know, we have chosen a different system, uh, which is which is more, lo- uh, you know, in line with the European, Canadian uh, uh, systems. And, you know, we live in a complex society, there are lots of public interests of um, public order and national security, of course, over here, and efficiency of the government, and you name it. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, shut down the road because, because there's a demonstration. So in order to enable the, uh, you know, one, one side or some people to protest, that's their freedom of speech, you limit others other people's right to you know to drive freely or walk freely in in the street or whatever and uh, under covid yes you know there are lots of restrictions uh, now less than before but you know we have had you know we stayed at home everybody and we couldn't move you know go out more than 100 meters that's not a lot um so there's a lot of balancing going on and i think it's inevitable in any democratic complex society um which Israel is part of for good or for so bad. So where do you see the issue stemming from? Like, where where did this all start and why do you think it is? Or do you have any thoughts on that? Well, that's for, um, you know, we definitely need uh, an objective external form of inquiry uh, that would look into that. Currently, the police is investigating itself. Good luck. <laughs> the attorney general has also established some sort of internal uh inquiry committee but that's quite ridiculous because they're you know the attorney general and his office are also part of the picture as far as i'm concerned concerned um so you know i don't really know what exactly the police were thinking maybe or the judges who signed or the judges kind of you know and and that's a mystery uh one option is that the police genuinely thought that they do have the authority. Maybe they got some legal advice about that. And, you know, they were under the impression that what they're doing is okay. That's one option. Another is that they knew that they are not exactly authorized. And then did they, you know, uh, tell stories to the judges? Maybe. I hope not. Because that, that would be really terrible if they lie to the to the court. Uh, maybe they told the courts and the judges everything, and maybe the judges 
are the ones to blame because, you know, for not understanding the technology. Or not understanding the law. Or, you know, or misconstruing the law. That's also an option. So, you know, there are many options here. Uh, and, and another option, of course, is that police knew exactly that what they are doing and that they do not have the authority, but have done that. You know, there are many questions. In Israel, you have a thing called Shitat Matzriach. Yeah. which is maybe hard to translate, but the, in essence, it means you try, and worst case scenario, you fail. But most likely, nobody will notice. Yeah. And then you got what you needed. So it so might be it, the case. Now, you know, the police is under huge pressure uh, to solve yeah. crime, and, uh, you know, the, we have our share of issues, right, uh, and, and criminal activity. So, you know, they're under huge pressure from the public and from the government and the ministers. Every minister wants to show that he has managed, it's, it's mostly he, I think, in, the, in that department, has managed to, you know, uh, take down the numbers of, of well, criminal activities. A woman activities. is the head of the... She, she went to the, to the media as the head of the cyber force in, in the police. Well, yeah. Um, Just for the record. Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking about the ministers, but yeah. Ah, okay. But, but you know. Uh, so, you know, th there's a lot going on here and there are many, many questions and um, someone should be asking them. So everybody's asking, but, you know, the formal inquiry. That's the thing, because here in Israel... If a, if a judge commits a crime, um, who will investigate? It's if a it, big, if, if it's, well, it's a big question. And, and if the attorney general commits a crime, yeah. it's even... Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't go to, I, I wouldn't characterize what may have happened here as a crime by the judges or the attorney general. Yeah, I'm, I'm At most, they have exceeded their authority and powers. Right. Which happens every now and then. And, you know, whenever we find out about it, they should, you know, be back into their limits. Um, but... Although, uh, if, if the head of the police... Yeah, well, I mean, is that, is that really, like, if a basic law, if a basic civil liberty was, was uh, transgressed by intentionally you know, but then shouldn't the people responsible for that be held accountable i mean shouldn't be shouldn't it be considered a crime it you know if someone has done so deliberately which is unlikely to be the attorney general or judges if someone has knowingly done something illegally it may be only in in this case only the police and you know it's under investigation so as far as i'm concerned they are all innocent until proven uh, differently uh, otherwise, uh, so in that case, yes, in that case, I, I do expect uh, if, you know, if at the end of the day, uh, we will find out that there was a police officer who knew that he or she are not allowed to do whatever, um, what, you know, what we are talking about. And nevertheless, they have done and misled the courts, etc. You know, so they should be discharged and prosecuted, etc. You know, of course. But that's, you know, we, we are we are not yet there. Uh, there's at this point more questions than answers uh, for us to be able to kind of you know point fingers and send I mean, people if, to jail so if pegasus for example for yeah. w according to what you're saying is there's there should be zero legal basis for mm -hmm. pegasus to be used by the police against israeli citizens so if that's the case then there must have been someone who uh one requested for it to be used and two someone to approve it to be used yeah. so i mean those people should be you know they, they investigated they, I, I think they should be investigated, and uh, but you know the result may be that you know they made a mistake, 
uh, without, you know, without malice, kind of, you know, not deliberately misled anybody. Just, you know, they thought that they have the authority and power and, you know, it turns out that they haven't. But, but you know, once again, this is, it's too early to know what exactly happened there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will probably be the last to know because uh, it will <laughs> if take at time, all. if at all. Yeah. Many, of, many of the claims are, right, that, uh, that the, poli- the last police chief, right now it's, uh, what's his name? Um, I forgot uh, also. Shabtai. Shabtai. Yeah. And the yeah. previous police chief was Oni El Sheikh. And many of the claims are that he came from uh, the Shabak, which is like the Israeli FBI. He was the, uh, I think, vice, the, the di- vice director or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he brought with him some kind of culture of, uh, you know, uh, basically overstepping their legal uh, boundaries because the Shabak is so often... Right. Uh, dealing with you know non-citizens and, and the Shabak, the Shin Bet, they do have the authority, by the way, to use you know <laughs> quite intrusive yeah. uh, technologies. Typically, these are used against um, uh, terrorists or people who are suspect of terrorist activities. Or people who are in contact with COVID. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> uh, we should talk about that maybe right. later. So you know, <laughs> typically those tools have been used in the West Bank. Uh, um, you know, against. Palestinians who are suspect of terrorist activity. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, that has crossed the line, the green line, uh, and has entered into um, the Israeli society with the police. Uh, and that, by the way, is something that we see, we have seen a few of these cases. For, for example, biometrics. Uh, the use of biometrics uh, for, you know, uh, documenting the population that started uh, in Gaza when Gaza was still under Israeli uh, rule or occupation choose your own preferences uh, and then extended to the West Bank and then extended in Israel to asylum seekers and uh, uh, um, you know foreign employees as we call them if that's the term uh, and um, now to the entire Israeli population according to a law so first, the technologies has been applied and sort of experimented on other populations, and then it reaches us. And the same seems to be the case with Pegasus. And the next technology, by the way, which begins to make it begins making its way into the Israeli state Mind and reading? culture, is biometric cameras. So the CCTV cameras, which we have more and more of them all over the place, um, they can now, the the technology is here. Uh, They can be connected to biometric database, which we have according to the Biometric Act. And that means that when you walk in the street and you think that, you know, you enjoy some sort of anonymity, um, that camera, which is connected to the database, can identify Like in China. Like they do in China. Like they do in China, exactly, with under the social uh, grade uh, system. Uh, Credit, that they are. yeah. Credit, yeah. yeah. And uh, according to foreign press, as we like to say over here, uh, that system is used in the West Bank for quite some time. Uh, and so we see, once again, sort of the kind of, you know, movement or, yeah. or infiltration. Truth is, it's, it's, it's terrifying because we're at a point where we're not quite there, but you mentioned mind reading. And we're at a point where you can start 
putting the pieces together where we will be there. Like, right? Because I don't know if you guys, you know, Neuralink. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you Elon saw this Musk. video. Elon Musk has started developing Neuralink. It's basically planted a chip in a monkey's brain. And there's a video online. It's quite amazing. You can see the, the monkey in front of a game of Pong, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's controlling it with a joystick. They taught him to, to play. And then at some point, they basically disconnect the joystick and they've developed this chip which transmits the monkey's thoughts to the to direct the pong game so the the basically the monkey is using his mind to play right. the game so eventually that will be available hacked. for people yeah. but for and michael then it it's could good be news because for, by the government michael listened to this and he's like oh my i have work till i'm <laughs> retired well, <laughs> you know I, 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 i'd rather spend some time uh, on on researching uh, <laughs> history of, of copyright law and trademark law in mandate palestine which is also something i do so you know that's yeah. more fun. Uh, no debates over there or the debates are settled sort of somehow yeah. much um, much easier much simpler but if we w- were to agree that such a law that permits the police to do such things should exist how would you legislate such a law Well, you know, that's a debate, by the way, kind of a few of us uh, in the privacy circles uh, and that many privacy of us. Privacy nerds. The, yeah, there aren't that many of us over here, but there are a few and, and we are growing. Uh, we have discussed that among us, some of us. Um, should we author and suggest a law? Because we would write it better, of course, right? Uh, or should we sort of, you know, abstain and, and let the government and the Knesset do whatever they they do and it will be so bad we will take it or someone will take it to the Supreme Court and challenge its constitutionality you know kind of it's always a debate whether to join or, or not to join such efforts now um, personally I probably will not join because I'm busy with other things but uh, um, you know it's definitely a challenge how to authorize technologies when needed and And make sure that they are used only when needed with uh, various uh, measures to uh, you know of proportionality to make sure that it's only used in really serious crime and that there's real judicial scrutiny rather than you know just a judge kind of you know stamping all the requests next next and okay and and get out of your sort of attitude but intellectually there is no big difference between the tapping your conversations over the phone and te- tapping your texts over the phone right the, the, the wiretapping act allows also tapping conversations whatsapp etc whatever's a conversation whether it's you know sound or text that's a conversation that's already covered but the spyware program as uh, the software as far as we know it does way more than that first it does that so wiretapping etc that's kind of you know the basic level and then according to what we know it It enables the police or whoever is using the technology to access files that you may have now you know our phones our smartphones or whatever they're called you know they contain our lives uh, whatever you know we receive an email from the doctors with, with you know with a file we download it it's on the phone it's there uh, we send files etc applications apps um, Tinder, Grindr, whatever, you know, those kind of apps, everything is there. And, you know, I hate to break the news, but young people, so I'm told, they take lots of intimate photos and they share them with friends, not with the police and others, but it's in the phone. 
and whatever you know just take your each of each of the listeners take your smartphone open it up and you know just browse scroll down scroll down and see what you have there it's everything our mm -hmm. medical uh, information our financial we do our banking using those devices right uh, our romance our sexual lives everything is there um, conversations are, you know, they're, they're sort of the, the kind of the yeah. superficial level. So with wiretapping and, and listening into mess, like listening to conversations and seeing messages, it, are there any limitations or are there any levels, right? Like at first you just get one stamp of approval and you have access to all messages and all conversations. So the wiretapping order uh, that the judge issues should say for how long the wiretapping is allowed to whom. So if more than one pe person uses the same phone line, you know, once upon a time when we had when we had landlines, it, it matters more, mattered more. But you yeah. know, today everyone has their own device. But so the judge in the order should uh, say for how long, to whom you may uh, listen and wiretap, and for which purposes. So you know, if the person speaks with his or her lawyer, that you should not be listening, etc. So the order should say what's allowed and what is not allowed. Uh, uh, in that, um, but so long as he's talking with uh, pizza delivery guy, you can listen to the whole conversation. Doesn't matter. Probably so. Kind of, you know, because that—that's the thing with fishing. When, when the police, when, when the police engages in fishing expeditions, you know, as far as they're concerned, it's not really the pizza guy that that I called. It's actually my drug dealer, and we are we are using code. Get me, you know. Uh, two pizzas one with this and one with that topping and it's actually a code for you know drugs um but you know that's that's police work okay and with messages then they're supposed to i mean i can't imagine that they can type in don't download the lawyer messages so they get all the messages and then they're supposed to supposedly ignore sift it. through yeah. them and they're supposed to ignore it yeah of course and here enters um um a recent Supreme Court case uh, about uh, the, the Urich case, which was decided by nine justices, which is unusual over here, unlike the United States, uh, and of the Supreme Court. And uh, we, we can delve into that case in a second, but basically one of its important rulings is that if the police has engaged in an illegal search, they can then apply to the approach the court and ask for a legal order in retrospect. in retrospect retrospect and that will sort of you know whitewash the illegality of the previous uh, search that's nice that's nice whereas for the police. in the states that would be considered the fruit of the poison tree exactly and uh, that we see that a lot in american movies and and yeah. the wire etc if you know if if the police has done one mistake in obtain in the way they have obtained the evidence, everything is gone, and the murderer goes free, right? And the drug dealers go free. You know, they they they. they that's how we that's got five seasons of The Wire, by the way. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but uh, but in Israel you don't have fruits of the. We tree. don't have that <laughs> in Israel. It'd be a very session. short series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like twenty minute episode. The police wins in the beginning. That's it. It's all yeah. over. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they're they're very limited. Um, rules of uh, disqualifying evidence one of them by the way is with wiretapping but so you know so that evidence will be disqualified but then the court the police can approach the court for a new 
wiretap and now they know exactly what they're looking for right because yeah. they've already seen uh, so, so that's what happened in the Uric uh, case more or less um, so the Uric case uh, Jonathan Uric and uh, Mr. Golan Ophel Ophel okay uh, they are or were uh, Uric Stolis and Golan I do not know uh, you know they, they were one of the uh, Prime Minister's Netanyahu staff and uh, as everybody I'm sure knows, uh, Mr. Netanyahu is standing trial for various corruption allegations. One of the witnesses, uh, Mr. Filber, uh, who was for a short while uh, the general director of the Ministry of Communication, he is a key witness uh, in that in Netanyahu's trial. Okay, so there's Netanyahu's trial. Filber is one of the witnesses. He was Filber was harassed. Uh, he allegedly. Was Allegedly, of course. No, someone has harassed him. We do not know who. Uh, uh, driving a car outside his home and sort of, you know, tr- trying to influence, that's the allegation, his testimony. Now, that's a crime in itself. Um, and the police has suspected that Mr. Ulrich and Mr. Golan have something to do with that. So they call them for, you know, for an investigation. Let's have tea. Uh, as one of my Chinese colleagues says, you know, when you when someone calls you and asks you, let's have tea, so that's a bad indication. Yeah. You better pack uh, a big bag. Okay, uh, so they were called for an investigation, and as the investigation started, uh, the police officers asked them separately uh, whether they are, you know, whether they can hand their smartphones, which they have. So you know, they have done so. They 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 gave their phones. But they were not warned that uh, the police is about to enter, you know, and, and check the phones and what's inside. Uh, they, um, I think they were even asked by the police to give the code to the phone. Probably so. Uh, but, but, you know, they, yeah. were not, they, 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 had, they had no prior warning of what's going on. And then the police saw whatever they saw. And then the police with that information approached the court once again the the magistrate court and said hey you know we have serious allegations against these suspicions and allegations against uh, these guys we need a court order to you know search their phones which they have already done uh, so obviously uh, when Ulrich and Golan learned about that they have challenged that that has reached it went up and down the courts with uh, appeals like etc uh, and uh, the Supreme Court has dealt with that about, you know, almost a year ago in a three-justice panel, and then there was a rehearing with nine justices, which is quite unusual. And the decision was handed down uh, last week. Uh, it's quite complex. It's quite long. It's uh, 132 pages to be... You read the whole thing? I, I read it twice. <laughs> what uh, a geek. What a privacy geek. <laughs> well, you know, uh, so... Uh, and it's complex and it has... It, it has many, you know, uh, TLDR uh, issues, but one of the main findings is that um, um, this behavior on behalf of the police, the police behavior, it's not okay, but we do approve. So, so and, and the first uh, uh, search was illegal, but nevertheless, the second search order is legal and is okay and they may proceed wow any allegations against the legality of the evidence which was which were uh, you know obtained in this manner should be decided by the court if and when mr Ulrich and mr golan will stand trial for 
for whatever it is. Now, many cases do not. Yeah, ma- many cases, you know, you know, people are investigated, but there is no uh, um, trial uh, at the end. Uh, now, uh, uh, there was. But one, that's a precedent. It's a precedent. One justice uh, was uh, only one out of the nine dissented. Uh, justice Elron, uh, I side with him. Uh, with all due respect, I believe that the eight justices, including the chief justice, uh, has has erred on on this decision. Uh, they have clearly preferred the police investigation needs of a quick investigation, an efficient one, a covert investigation in many cases. They have stated that. They have preferred that to uh, privacy. Uh, they have mentioned privacy. They have mentioned the basic law. But then they turned to balancing of various kinds. And they said, you know, proportionality. There's a judge at the magistrate court level who reviews any police request for search uh, orders. And that judge uh, should be informed whether there was a prior illegal search, yes or no, and they should take that into consideration, albeit not a major consideration. And for the Supreme Court, that's a good enough check. I beg to differ. Basically delegating in a way. They're saying this isn't big enough for us. Well, you know, they, they have spent, you know, the nine justices and uh, such a long decision, you know, so so they did look into the matter, but they have definitely uh, made sure that uh, no such cases will reach them for in the near future. Um, but that encapsulates the problem in a sense, because it feels, I think, here in Israel that the police and, and the judiciary system is in cahoot and, you know... Well, well let, you know, let me, sometimes yes, sometimes no. You know, there, there are too many cases on both sides of the, that argument, so yeah. it's difficult to to kind of you know side with, uh, uh, you know, to, to to reach a clear statement about that. Uh, I would be more careful with that. Let, let me challenge the specific because if they did give their phones over yeah. voluntarily and yeah. they did give their passcodes over voluntarily, isn't that enough of an indication that they are voluntarily giving up their right to privacy? I mean, if I give you my phone and I tell you the passcode. Yeah. Well, you know, Ethan, I'm, 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 you know, I, I believe I'm an innocent guy and a law-abiding citizen. But, you know, nevertheless, when I see a police officer on the street and, you know, they look at me, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, oh, kind of what's going on, kind of. And when they approach me, if they approach me, uh, and, you know, I'm a law professor, I'm a law-abiding citizen, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't even cross in the red light. Uh, you know, it's quite scary. And whatever consent there is here, it's not freely given. Uh, there, you know, there's a difference of power, and, you know, you don't mess up with police officers because you don't want to make them angry because, you know, the next thing you will be arrested or whatever, and, and good luck. But there's no... There's no explicit threat. I mean, if there was an explicit threat, then it's obviously problematic. But the claim that, you know, I'm intimidated by the police, if I was actually intimidated, meaning if he drew his weapon or if he showed me his weapon and said, you you might want to give me that phone, then yeah, of course. But if he said, could I see your phone? It's an investigation. You are. There's a big power imbalance in. There's a huge power imbalance. Kind of, you know, it's very difficult to say no to 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 the to the police officer. Uh, What would I say? No, I know the law, and you are not allowed to do that. If you have a court order, you know, I will. But until you have a court order, I'm going away. You know, many people in in the states. I think a lot of the times the police simply ask to search your vehicle, and if they find something then I think it's admissible, right? Like, you have to say, no, I don't want you to search my vehicle. 
it I kind of you know I'm I'm uh, I, I I do follow Fourth Amendment jurisprudence and and U.S. Supreme Court in that matter, but it's uh, but I I don't feel comfortable. Yeah, okay. okay, but in okay. an investigation I, in America, you can have a lawyer with you throughout the investigation, which I think they didn't have. I don't know how it right. works in Israel, but I don't think you 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 have the right over here. You have the right to consult a lawyer. Not, not necessarily in yeah. the investigation room. You cannot room, bring him with you to the room. Yeah. In uh, the room, you're by yourself. But, uh, you know, and, and Ulrich and Golan, they're, they're quite sophisticated people, right? They're not just, you know... The average Joe. The average Joe, exactly. So, but nevertheless, even for them, it's intimidating. And, uh, uh, you know, there are sorts of, all sorts of calculations. If I, if I refuse, will it be held against me? And, you know, what will they make of it? And et cetera, et cetera. You know, and... It's difficult to say no yeah. uh, to the police. I wanted to touch one last thing before we wrap this up. Um, in the beginning of COVID, um, we were all panicking. And under that panic, it was decided to use yet again a tool from the, from the territories, the tool of the Shabak. Um, and to implement it on the entire population of Israel. Yeah. That rage uh, raised a huge de- debate. Um, mm-hmm. what, what do you make? Can you explain a little bit and what do you, sure. make, what do you make of this? So um, we are going back to uh, late February, early March 2020, right? Yes, 2020. Uh, when, when the first COVID cases were diagnosed or found in Israel. And everybody was panicking, as you've said, etc. Uh, and it was quite obvious that uh, this pandemic cannot be managed and pandemics need to be managed. Uh, it cannot be managed like the Spanish flu over 100 years ago. And it's quite clear that information is an important tool in managing pandemics. So we've all become experts, right, with, uh, you know, how many sick people, and how many new cases, what is the R and all of, you know, we have become experts. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, the Israeli government has correctly identified at the early stages of the pandemic that contact tracing is crucial. So if we know that a person is uh, COVID positive, uh, we want to identify, you know, who he or she have been in touch with in, in close enough proximity, which means less than two meters, I think, and uh, for more than 15 minutes, that was the... Th- these were the stats at, the, at that time, at, uh, at the beginning. Um, and one way is to ask people. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, there, there were 27 nurses who were doing that job. When there were one or two or five cases, that was enough. But then, you know, when there were thousands of cases, obviously, they could not cope with it. It took about a year until the army, the IDF, has joined and, you know, set facilities with... Call three, centers. Call centers with 3,000 soldiers, basically, who were trained how to conduct these uh, epi- epidemiological Now it's a WhatsApp chatbot, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, that, that's another issue. Yeah. Uh, no offense to chatbot uh, technologists. Um, and I, I'm a chatbot technologist, and I was offended by the chatbot, so it's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so... Um, uh, now, there are many problems with that other than, you know, human power. Uh, one of them is that I do not remember uh, who are the people that I've seen in the last two weeks. Uh, I may remember some of them, but not everybody. 
some of them I may just, you know, oh, there was that cashier in the, in the supermarket or the nice guy that I sat next, next to on the bus, you know, but they, what, what are the Or that one-night stand I really want to tell you well, about. Well, exactly. Random soldier <laughs> at a call center. <laughs> you know, so there's a matter of trust. It's a, yeah. So the government has done two things in parallel. One is the use of the Shin Bet, the Shabak technology of tracing. So we have learned that they have that capability and that they are using it. It was secret. For, and it was secret, but now it's not, no longer. And that they have been using it for security issues, of course, national security. That's their, you know, that's their mission. Uh, and they were recruited to do the contact tracing. Which uh, basically means they used, yet again, if it's software. Uh, the, it, it's, as far as we know, it's using uh, data from uh, our cell phone providers mm-hmm. of, about our whereabouts. Right. And then matching them uh, and figuring out who was in close proximity to him. Uh, by the way, the Shin Bet uh, was quite reluctant. So, you know, they obeyed because, you know, they, they, they get orders and they obey. But they were reluctant uh, and voiced their reluctancy inside the government and made it also public to some extent because that has revealed the limits of the technology. Uh, for example, apparently it's not good enough in, uh, um, buildings. To, in buildings to figure out if someone is on the first floor or 10th floor uh, the technology apparently is not good enough to, to figure that out. Okay, uh, so the government has used the Shin Bet for contact tracing, and at the same time, they have tried to develop an app. So I got a phone call from the Ministry of Health, from someone I did not know, I, I didn't know anybody there. Uh, that was the first week of March, so really at the beginning, and they said, hey, we are trying to build, to design an app that will do blah, 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 contact tracing. I said, wow, wonderful. Uh, what you're doing is what we privacy geeks call privacy by design, meaning designing the technology in a way that achieves its function, contact tracing, but in a way that protects privacy. And it's doable. It's difficult and challenging, but it's doable. And they asked my uh, advice on the privacy aspects. And um, I think they have done amazing, amazing work there. Uh, eventually it failed. But uh, but the thought... no one would download the app. Well, you know, 1.5 million people have downloaded it initially and then removed it uh, because why bother if the Shin Bet conducts the same function anyway without an opt-out? Why should I bother doing an opt-in yeah. to a new technology? So, you know... How it works is you would get an SMS, basically, yeah. from the Shin Bet, basically, if you were in close proximity to someone... Mm-hmm. who is a confirmed case of COVID. Yeah. And then we had, uh, uh, it reached uh, the Shin Bet uh, contact tracing surveillance has reached the Supreme Court, which has said, well, authority, authorization, not quite, but it's an emergency. So yeah, okay. Uh, but for a limited time. And they sent the government to try again, uh, because initially it was under uh, one law and then another law, etc. Eventually, the government came Always up... Always emergency laws, though. Emergency laws. And then the government came up with a law which went through all the phases of the Knesset legislation, and that was approved. Then there was another challenge to the Supreme Court, which then uh, said, we approve, but you, may, you, the government, may use this tool only uh, if people refuse to cooperate in the human and humane 
epidemiological investigations, uh, only in those cases. Otherwise, so it's a last resort sort of tool. Uh, and then sort of, you know, uh, the, that was probably the second wave of COVID or maybe third, I'm not sure. Uh, so, you know, the use, there was no longer need, it was no longer needed. And then we started getting the vaccinations, etc. And now when, when Omicron started, uh, in, again, the government, and it's a different government now, including a left-wing Minister of Health, uh, have once again used... Um, uh, they have reoperated the Shin Bet surveillance for five days. Uh, once again, there was a Supreme Court challenge, uh, and the Supreme Court gave its decision on the last and fifth day, and they approved. In the morning, they gave they handed down the decision. In the evening, that has expired the authorization, and it was not renewed because of public pressure. Uh, maybe public pressure. Maybe you know because of because this this. Uh, the current variant spread so fast. Yeah, uh, maybe we don't it's get SMS all day long, yeah, basically. So. But uh, but the the line was crossed like, yet again. Yeah, yet again. The, the brings me back to the Swiss cheese ar- argument. Emergency is tough. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I was very concerned with, and I'm still, I still am concerned with the securitization of a civil crisis. COVID is a crisis, okay, all, all over the world. But it's a civil crisis. It's like an earthquake or, you know, some other crisis that we, you know, a tsunami or things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, global warming, which in, in fires in California, etc. It's a civil crisis. And the use of security tools, which are highly developed over here, for solving or addressing that, mm, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a good precedent. Uh, you know, my concern is what is left for, you know, the next crisis. There will be some crisis, unfortunately, earthquake or whatever, tsunami. I, I doubt it over here, but, you know, some other crisis will emerge at some point. Yeah, but there's always an emergency here. Yeah, don't you think that crisis is always, I think it was Frederick Hayek who said that emergencies are always a great excuse for trampling, you know, civil liberties. Yeah, and that's why we have the law and the Supreme Court and basic laws and constitutions to try and but make sure that like it's used only in, you know, wh- when it's really needed. Wouldn't you like a law that's absolute or obsolete? Absolute, I guess. Absolute, yeah. yeah, that... that, that the law's already obsolete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now yeah. we need it absolute. Absolute <laughs> that, that cannot be, you know, chewed by, by any judge. It's, you know, it's... Uh, An we, ultimate we, privacy law. Right, you know... Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not fanatic. I I do know that information is important. It's also important for the tax authorities and for the you know prevention of crime and terrorism, and you know for mundane things like uh, uh, you know the, the efficient government. I, if I if I move to a new place and I change my address, I want to do it once rather than ten times with different agencies. Uh, you know there are lots of needs, and we we do make some sort of compromises. They have to make sense. They have to be proportional. They have to be for good reasons rather than sort of cover various illicit motivations that someone may have. Um, but it and seems it's not easy. If you, uh, if you have two minutes, because there is one thing that I forgot that I wanted us to discuss. It seems that the default is that, you know, the privacy is a privilege and not, not a right in Israel. Like, and, and we saw that in this crisis not only with the Shabak, but also there was, uh, I think, a proposal for a lo- for allowing or, or, or maybe it actually 
passed down for allowing the police to enter homes. Um, it's still somewhere, somewhere yeah. in the background. Yeah, we, we have yeah. moved to other <laughs> other yeah. problems. But the idea that that would even be proposed, I mean, isn't right. that like the the idea that our privacy is not necessarily a given? It's it's right. something that you know is nice in times it's of perk. Peace. It's a perk you get yeah. from the state. Yeah. So you know. Uh, uh, Let's be historical and f- historical, but not hysterical and philosophical for a moment. Privacy is a relatively new right. Okay, it sort of has emerged emerged as a as a legal right in the late nineteenth century. Uh, there's a famous law review article by Warren and Brandeis at the fourth volume of the Harvard Law Review, the right to privacy. Uh, and in the constitutional setting, it's a post World War thing. Okay, because of uh, you know, the, the Nazis, when they occupied uh, the Netherlands and other countries, one of the first things they have done was to take over their national registrations, which made their work, so to speak, in finding Jewish people and others very easy. Uh, so privacy is a, as a constitutional right is by and large a post-World War II idea. So that's relatively new in, in the sphere of, of human rights. Over here in Israel... Up until the late 70s, we were a socialist country. Democracy, but socialist. Some would say. Some would say that we are still, man, well, yeah. maybe. But, you know, uh, with very strong Eastern European roots and a socialist environment, one for all and all for one sort of ideas. Uh, and um, uh, under that idea, privacy took a long time to sort of develop. It's... It, it, it's exactly the you know the the Privacy Act is from 1981, the Wiretapping Act is from 1979. It's the same period. The Basic Law is 10 years later, 1992. So interestingly enough, it's Likud government. It, First Likud it, government. Yeah, of course, because they were not socialist or less socialist at least. Uh, you know, some yeah. would, that, that's another debate. But they were not explicitly socialist, even though some fractions there were. Um, um, and yet the Likud government are the ones that trampled all these these privacy but, rights know, in the last year and a half, two years. Yes, but then, you know, also the current government, which is not yeah. as right-wing as the Likud government, and uh, Nitzan Horvitz uh, uh, is the Minister of Health, and he's from Meretz, a uh, left-wing party, and he objected to the Shin Bet surveillance, contact tracing surveillance earlier, but when he was health minister, well, you know, pressure took over i guess he was following in the footsteps of his of his predecessors <laughs> well you should, you, you standing on the shoulders of giants <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i um uh, now listen i uh i i am um, i i helped bring those people into power so i i can't i can't i have nobody else to complain to other than myself um but yeah it's 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 um it's dire. It seems the situation is dire. Hopefully, there's a. It's challenging. It's okay. We, we, we <laughs> you will, seem we, like an optimistic we, man. We what shall, are you yeah. doing on this podcast? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We shall overcome. It will okay. be okay. Everything will be okay. Don't panic. Okay. I'm panicking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael, do you have social media? Where can people follow you and reach uh, out? And as a privacy guy, I'm not on Facebook because I don't think highly of that. Uh, anti-social network your I, your whatsapp photo is also <laughs> moved to signal yeah so you know <laughs> I, I i am on i do have a whatsapp account but yes uh, i i prefer signal for privacy reasons but i you know it's in a it's difficult to abort everything uh, i'm on twitter 
uh, burn hack or google me or google me to twitter me uh, i'm there and uh tweeting in english also sometimes sometimes occasionally yeah. amazing thank you thank you so much for coming thank you really guys. appreciate it, was a it. Pleasure. we are neighbors after all so Maybe Indeed. we'll have you again in the future. We'd like that. Uh, before we go, um, we are sponsored by Otsheva. Check them out at israelnationalnews.com. Also, also by uh, Australian Jewish News at ajn.timesofisrael.com. Yes. Also, what else? Massa, check out. <laughs> Ma- yeah. What else? Massa Israel guys, check them out. Also, Massa yes, Israel. Uh, Massa Yes. Uh, sorry, MassaIsrael.org. And we accept donations. We do this on a free time. So if you want to help us out, to njb.com slash donate. And that is it. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. And uh, guys, stay, uh, stay on your privacy. Yeah. Cheers. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.